Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. As always, you can join the conversation by calling in with your questions at 805-285-9865. Or you can share your thoughts on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag MTFW. Now, let's get the conversation started. Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine, and we are ready for another round of conversation. Our guest this morning is Matt Nettleton. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. We are so glad that you're here. That's, uh, I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> I'm sure I believe them. Well, and I may not be sure by the end of the program, but we're going to give it our best shot. Um, managing the uh, Twitter stream this morning. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, y'all. If you uh, have a question for Matt and you don't mind a snarky response, um, be sure to uh, use the hashtag and post it at MTFW. For those of you that have never met Matt Nettleton or don't know about him, Matt is my sales coach. He is associated with TrustPoint. They are a local sampler um, training organization. Um, I think they are... Uh, extraordinarily good at what they do, and we are living proof. But, Matt, what else should people know about you? Uh, you know, not much. I am, I'm really just a sales guy. I mean, that's my, that's my background, and, and so I'm in, a, in the position where I get to talk about selling all day and, and really execution. I'm not any good at theory and any good at playing around and, and jokes and giggles. And uh, One of the things I get asked a lot when people go, so what do you do for a living? And I tell them. They say, oh, you're a motivational speaker. Oh, you are not motivational. And, and, <laughs> and my response is always, nah, it's not only demotivation, <laughs> because usually the people that are excited are the people that aren't executing. And so that's what I spend all my time with. You know, I, and I think, let's start there, because, you know, that sounds bad, the demotivation. But I, I really think that... Um, you know, one of the things that you taught me was this idea that, you know, salespeople come back from a call and they're all excited and they've got all these calls that they think are going to happen. How do you help people sort of step through that? I mean, and you do demotivate us a little bit. Well, the, the biggest problem that salespeople have is that they love what they do and they define what they do as having coffee with people and having conversations. And every conversation is great and uh, every conversation is fun and every, everything's awesome. And things are great, and they're going to get better, and it can only go up from here. And one of the things that we run into is it's just not that way. Um, salespeople are great at being optimistic. And a certain amount of resiliency, I think, is important. I think that you have to be able to let you – you have to be comfortable embracing the nose. You, you, you've got to have a tough skin and a short memory. <laughs> I mean, it's, you, can't, you can't focus on the things that go wrong. Because in sales, if you're doing your job right – it's going to go wrong a lot. And um, But I do think um, what I originally thought of as demotivation was really helping me diagnose when I was all excited about a sale that didn't happen. How do people kind of diagnose and, and look at what's really going on in the process? All right. One of the things that we see is for most people, uh, sales is a random thing. And it just kind of happens. It's magic. So you know, they spend all these, all these things, they develop strategies and structures, they staff up, they create skills for manufacturing and delivering products and services. And 
And then they'll, they'll put together marketing plans. The marketing plans, they'll have MBAs and PhDs and statisticians. And then they get a lead, and it's magic unicorn dust, pixie fairy, and then three, three you know, pinches of toad skin. And, hey, look, we got revenue. And there's no structure to it. And so what we really try to do is we, we try to get people to understand that selling and sales are a predictable, repeatable, manageable process. And, yes, um, and, and, and I think um, if you want a predictable, repeatable, manageable process, you actually have to do it daily. It, it, it helps. <laughs> you know, it's a, I've got a friend who's a trainer, a physical trainer, and uh, he, he works at a gym, and most people, when they think about people who go to trainers, they're thinking, oh, these are athletes, mm -hmm. and these are people that are in great shape and just want to be in even better shape. Um, and what he tells me is not a lot of my people are just regular people that are not in the shape they want to be in. They're not in bad shape. Um, and the first thing he has to get them to see is no matter how slow they're going, they're passing all the people sitting on their couch. Yeah. And so with sales and sales training, what we really spend a lot of our time talking to people about is you don't have to be structured and perfect and exact on every call. It's not script-based selling because that doesn't work. But you've got to be focused on accomplishing a series of things in a particular order, doing things in a particular way, so that you provide a standard of care to your prospects and clients that, that they deserve. And one of the things I really wanted to, to focus on um, were a particular kind of sale. And that was really kind of, because you've been our guest before, and we've talked about kind of sales basics and building the habits, making calls. But there is, as, as businesses mature, and I know that we're struggling with this, and so I know a lot of my, my listeners are in the same place, we're starting to work not just with business owners who can make a decision on the spot. We're starting to work with companies where there's a manager and a vice president and a company owner, and the sales process is getting longer. There are multiple touch points. How do you navigate through those touch points to come out on the other end with what everybody wants, which is a paycheck. Right. So let's start with the basics. There's no customer out there that has designed a process that includes you getting a commission check. That's not the way they do it. That's not part of their, their needs. That's not part of their wants. But for most salespeople, they haven't designed a process that involves them getting a commission either. Um, when we ask people, hey, what do, you, what do your prospects have to decide in order to buy from you? They always start off with, well, they have to decide whether or not they like me, whether or not they trust me, whether or not they have a need, whether or not they have the budget. And those are all nice things, but those are all the criteria, right? For a salesperson, you have to have a process that people run through. You have to have what we call a decision map, a series of decisions that you know in order to buy from you, your prospects have to make. And when you get into a more complex selling cycle with multiple influencers and multiple decision makers, that decision map becomes even more important because what happens is everybody has to go through it. So you have to discover what, what their decision timing process and criteria is, what the, what the time, money, and emotional cost of their problem is, what their impact and implication of their problem is, how do they measure cost? Because purchasing measures cost totally differently then marketing measures cost totally differently than production measures cost totally differently than sales measures cost. So it's, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, but I know that 
everybody has to go through the same meetings with me and everybody has to experience the same things with me in order to, to move that forward. I, I'd love to have a room full of salespeople that were all in the one call close business. It'd be fun, but it wouldn't be very enjoyable because long term, those are the people that they, they go in, it's either dead or not dead by the time they walk out. The people that really have to apply their, their creativity and their knowledge and their wisdom are the people that have to manage that complex on cycle. And, and, and what always amazes me is they rarely design the process. And so rather than apply their intelligence up front, they try to do it on apply under pressure in front of somebody. And then when they walk out, they really have no idea what to template it against. They have, and, and um, that's, I think, the, uh, the thing I think I was the most resistant to in the beginning was this idea that I would have this list of questions, that I would have this standard process, because I am a, um, I'm an improviser, and I think on my feet. Yes. And um, Allison is in the background coughing. Do you have something to say on that? I, I never noticed this. <laughs> but what I've learned is um, I still don't go in with my formal list of questions. It's, I still don't whip out that sheet of paper, but I have them in my head. And so to the prospect, it looks like I'm improvising, but I'm totally running through a fairly structured approach. Um, how many questions, you know, if somebody is thinking about kind of putting this together, how many questions should they have in mind? Your process is really formal. Yeah, my, my process is very formal. I have a series of, of uh, four areas, strategy, structure, staff, and skill, and that's what we work with our clients on. And each of those areas, I'm going to ask seven or eight questions. So it's, it's 27 to 30 questions, standard, every time I meet with a business owner. But regardless of what type of company I'm working with, there's always three areas that they're going to ask questions in. They're always going to ask their prospects about their strategy or why they're doing something. They're always going to ask them about their tactics or how they're doing something. And they're always going to ask them about their metrics, which is what are they measuring at the end to find out whether or not it worked. And so I, I tell people in those three areas, regardless of what you sell, you should be spending your time developing questions about your prospects, strategy, tactics, and metrics. I am, uh, particularly in marketing, I am amazed at how rarely there are any metrics at all. Um, so that, that is, uh, that, use, that usually gets the conversation rolling. I, who knew you could measure? Who knew you could measure? I thought marketing was magic. It's the unicorn it's dust. It's the unicorn dust, yeah. Um, it, it might be unicorn dust, but it is, um, there's a very clear indicator of whether you have good unicorn dust or sort of the brand X yeah. um, uh, coffee. So calling on larger companies, if you decide that this is where you want to play, some of the tactics for getting in front of them originally, because you, you guys have got, I think, a pretty nice method that you use to reach a lot of business owners. Well, there's there's all kinds of all, all kinds of ways to reach them. I mean, there's there's outbound marketing, which is probably nowadays about 25 percent of what you're going to do. Outbound prospecting, cold calling, running a running a uh, 
cookbook, consistent behaviors, probably 25%. But what we know um, is that OCW study um, and puts in the Harvard Business Review, 95% of all business-to-business -business purchases start with an internet search. And so even the people that you reach out to already know about you before you call them. The internet, you think it's going to catch on. You know, I, I gave a talk at a Century 21 regional meeting back in 1995, and I said, hey, listen, you guys need to start advertising houses on the internet. And I had a lady stand up, look at me, and say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Nobody will ever look at a computer screen to see a picture of a house. you got to do that in a magazine. And she stormed out of the room. And, and I said, well, i got to be honest with you. If that's your attitude, we won't remember you, but we will laugh at you generically. <laughs> and, and, I am once again laughing at her generically because I have no idea what her name is, but I can guarantee she's no longer in real estate if she hasn't changed her mind about that. You know, for most companies, they try to separate sales and marketing. And really, you know, just as marketing creates leads and sales closes those leads, and sales can be predictable, well, marketing should be predictable too. And I think well done marketing really creates predictable questions from prospects. And sales is designed to create predictable questions from prospects. And uh, uh, I'm going to jump over for just a moment and do a little commercial here, um, because if you are intrigued in this about this conversation of how sales and marketing work together, uh, you'll actually get an opportunity to hear Matt Nettleton and I live and in person next Thursday, March 7th, um, at 4 in the afternoon at the offices of Simon Spitzer. Um, if you got any questions about that, check out our blog post for today's um, broadcast, and I'll make sure that there's a link to the registration form. Um, but I do think I, that the lines are blurry, that you can't silo yourself anymore and say, I only do marketing, I only do sales. Right. Yeah, they're connected. The, the, the strategy behind both has to be similar. The questions are going to be similar. The metrics are going to be similar. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, um, did they open the email? Did they answer the phone? Did they, uh, did they download a form? Did they ask a question? Um, did they come back? And in, in both cases, you know, it, it's the same funnel. We had a, we had a client, and uh, they, they did a, a bunch of measurement on their website. And what they found is that people that bought from them that had visited their website um, had a, there was one page that they had clicked on before they completed a form. And that if they clicked on that page and, and, and watched, there was a video on it, if they believe were in use of video on the internet, if they had clicked on that page and watched that video, they were 95% likely to buy. Wow. So everything can be measured, right? But not everything matters. And so the, all the visitors to their website were only 5% likely to buy. But if they came through this one spot, they were 95% likely to buy. When we talk about measured marketing or lead scoring or how to, you know, finding things like that, having a competent marketing partner, you know, whether you do it in-house or you outsource it, is great. But once you create the lead, you still have to know how to handle it. There's a Hazel Walker, who is your friend. Yes, she is. When I first got into sales training, she said, listen, sales training is vital. I don't think you needed to learn how to prospect. 
said, I agree with that. She said, I think you need to learn how you need to learn how to handle referrals. And that was eight years ago, mm-hmm. right? Most people have no idea how to handle referrals. They they're a disaster. They never get anywhere with them, and and, and that's worth. But I think now. You don't need to have sales training to learn how to cold prospect. You're not going to be good at it, even with great sales training. But you need to learn how to deal with referrals, and you need to learn how to deal with inbound leads. The people that raise their hand and say, hey, I'm a prospect, are the easiest people to screw up. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And, uh, (laughs) okay, I have a couple of those. I mean, both good and bad. Um, Yeah. on the one hand, in theory, the referral that comes to you and says, I downloaded 12 things from your website, I loved your seminar, let's talk. Or the guy that comes to you and says, Matt Nettleton told me to call you. There is a tendency to think you have it in the bag. Yes. That you can start in the middle of the process. Yes. And I have. Yes. And those are not the sales that I close. No, that, those all end poorly. They do. They all end poorly. Yes. And, and it's funny. Um, my so I have a, a four-year-old, and two years ago she swallowed an earring, and we took her to the hospital, and we knew she swallowed an earring, and so we walked into the emergency room. And they said, "Well, what happened?" We said, "Oh, she swallowed an earring," and they said, "Oh, foreign body objectless. We're going to start diagnosing." And I'm like, "No, just X-ray. Let's go to that." And they said, "No, we can't do that. We have to start with temperature, blood pressure, height, weight, all the basics." And and, and salespeople forget. You know, the problem with the internet is it only gives you answers. Right? You ask a horrible question, I can guarantee you, you're going to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And most of our clients, most of our prospects have no idea what questions they should be asking. And so they end up with us sitting in front of us going, here's the answer, I want this. And, and we skip the diagnosis step to make sure it's right. And it's horrible. It, it blows me away. Um, we, we've gone through this a lot lately. Um, I... Left to my own devices, I'm going to try to um, come up with standard packages because it's easy to have a, you know, you can have package A, package B, and you can customize it. Um, but we've had a lot of conversations lately, mostly led by Allison going, but is this the right thing? And going back to the basics and going, okay, what does the customer really need? Um, not only um, do I think we're doing better work, I mean, when we get the project, I think we're doing better work for the client, but in the sales process, we're closing more sales because we're not, they're going, well, I just need a price. No, you don't. Yeah. Well, what can I get for $1,500? I don't know. I don't know if that's what you need. What if I told you you only needed this and it was $500? Or what if I told you you needed this and it was $2,500? And that's, and that's where the diagnosis really kicks in. Um, you know, there, there's an old saying, the customer is always right. And, and, and I'll tell you, the, one of the things that we teach our clients all the time is that the customer is seldom right. And, and typically, not only are they wrong, but they've asked the wrong questions. Um, so as we, as we talk about this, you know, people that don't have a strong conviction in their selling process or a strong conviction in what they deliver, it's really easy to get sucked down a rabbit hole with prospects who say, well, do this, do this, do this, and lose sight of what you're really good at. Um, The clients that we see that are the most successful are the ones that are comfortable saying, you know what, here's what we do well. Here's what we're good at. 
here's what we can help you with. And when they and when we do that right, the customer starts to see that their problem is uniquely qualified to be solved by our solution. And that's what we're really trying to get to. And um, when we have uh, put the line in the sand the other way, and as a small business owner, this is hard. But when I look at a client and go, we don't do that. I know that there is a company that is going to make a ton of money that you're going to pay them. We don't do that. And I can even help you find yeah. That company that you should pay that ton of money to? Yeah. Um, I have one client that um, cycled around three times. I kept telling him no. I kept referring him to something else. And we still can't do the project. Um, um, we've done two or three other projects for him in the meantime yeah. that are in our skill set. Um, and I think that's and that's hard because I think salesmen want to sell everything. You know, uh, I'm Catholic, and so with the resignation of the Pope this month and all the news, and everybody's looking back at, at the other Popes. Um, John Paul II, Pope before Benedict, was the classic salesperson Pope, and in his mind, everybody could be Catholic. <laughs> Come on in. It's a great time to be a Catholic. We love you. It was great for stadium rallies and getting people excited, and and that was. Benedict walked in and said, you know what, being Catholic means something. Let's talk about what we have to do to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, for as great as John Paul II was, Benedict was even more important because he started to redefine things. Well, most businesses, they have a sales department that says, everybody's a client, everything's great, watch the puppet show, buy from me, me, me. And what they don't have is a sales department that says, you know, being our client means something. And we're not good at everything, but we're good at this. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing what you're good at, understanding who you serve best, allows you to be the best company you can be. And that's really one of the things that if you're running your selling process right, your diagnosis process right, it's easy to say to somebody, hey, we're not a match. Mm-hmm. This isn't what we do well. This isn't what we're great at. Why don't we step back and say, here's what we can do well. Here's what we're great at. And until you need that, I, I just can't help you. Yeah. And um, uh, we are, since we stepped back and did that, I would say that we're more profitable. We're more productive because we're doing more of the same, not cookie cutter work, but we're doing more of the same kinds of projects so that we can... um, we can focus our energies and create not just sales processes, but internal processes. Right. Um, standardizing on WordPress, we've got nine different projects going, and Peter's juggling all of them, but as he moves from one to the next to the next, it's an easy process. Yeah, we, we talk a lot with clients about really two things. One is business model. A business model is not strategy, but business model is let's talk about what you actually do. How do you make money? Where is it that your revenue comes from? And the second thing is money concept. Mm-hmm. And most small business owners and, and small business salespeople spend about 75% of their time on the sales call negotiating against themselves. And they're afraid to talk about what they're going to charge, largely because they know what they have to do to complete the project. What they forget is 
what they had to go through to learn what they have to do to complete the project. And, and so, you know, the money concept that we want people to understand is that what you sell and what people buy have different values. Mm -hmm. And what you have to be comfortable with is letting people buy what they want to buy and pay what they value it at. Yes. And that is a huge shift for most business owners. Because I think um, we get trapped in time and materials. Time and materials, hourly rate, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of bad stuff that happens. Yes, and you know what? Um, uh, I got 35 years to get to where I am that allows me to solve your problem in 15 minutes. Well, there's the story about Picasso, who was out at dinner. Lady walked up and said, you're Picasso. He said, yes, I am. She said, would you draw me a picture? So he scribbled out a picture on a napkin. He turned to her and said, that'll be $10,000. And she said, $10,000? It's crazy. It took you 30 seconds. He goes, no, this picture took me 30 seconds. The ability to draw this picture took me 35 years. Yeah. You're paying for the 35 years. Absolutely. And that's, um, that's a huge shift, I think. But it is... Um, Knowing what you're worth is such an important part of the total sales process. You you can't you can't sell something if you don't have a value assigned to it. It's kind of like my husband. He's a he's an artist and he does some really creative stuff. And when people ask him, um, you know what, uh, you know what he will charge, you know what he'll charge to um, to do the um, the painting, he hasn't figured that out yet. You know, he's like, well, you know, it'll take me so many hours. And I'm like, yeah, but how many hours did you spend in the studio practicing that technique so that you now can do it in five minutes? Right. You know, how many pieces of metal did you throw away? And um, it, that's all part of it. Um, it is really hard to believe that we have just whipped through 25 minutes. Yeah. So... Closing thoughts, if there's one thing that somebody should think about in their sales process. In their sales process, the simplest question I can ask you is, when you look at what you do in front of a prospect or client, are you doing it by design because you've decided to do it that way, or by default because that's the way it's always been done? And that's the question that we often ask people. Are you doing it by design? Or are you doing it by default? And as we as we look at our clients, what we really try to help them do is decide whether or not what they're doing is beneficial to their business. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. Yes. You can change whatever you want. And um, it, it's that whole activity versus productivity. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of salespeople get focused on. Well, I was out and I had 12 coffee appointments and I did this, and as opposed to I had one really great conversation. Yeah. So if people want to get a little bit of an introduction, if you're curious about what sessions with Matt would be like and you happen to be on the south side, come on out and check out the, um, the class next Thursday. Yeah. But also, you're now teaching uh, an intro class on the west side. Yeah, we have uh, classes on Mondays. Uh, on the west side, 71st and 465. Uh, we do classes um, Monday and Tuesday on the north side at 75th and Benford, and we do classes Thursday on the south side uh, at the Greenwood Chamber office. So if people want to find out more about the schedule, they should go to your website, which is? 
the trustpoint.com, trustpoint ends in the knee. And if they want to uh, follow you on Twitter, they can follow uh, either Sandler and Indy on Twitter, uh, which is our office corporate site, or they can follow Matt Nettleton, which is me. And I'm going to tell you that for great sales tips, follow Sandler Trust Point. For a little bit of the snark that we all know and love, um, and the uh, the great wit, definitely follow Matt Nettleton as well. If you have enjoyed today's program, if you want to learn more about marketing, sales, be sure to check out our blog at roundpeg.biz. Next week, we are going to be switching gears from the sales focus, and we're going to be talking about branding. Our guest will be Nyla Neely. Be sure to check out that program. I think it's going to be really interesting. Nyla is one of the most knowledgeable brand strategists in this market. Once again, this has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.